Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Green Through, exploring sustainable development reality. Today with us, we have Nicolas Kasprek, who happens to be an architect, but is also closely involved with an NGO and conservation project called Casa Congo. Tune in to today's podcast to learn more about the amazing projects run at Casa Congo, the story behind this amazing project, and how you could possibly get involved as a volunteer. Please be advised that one listen to this podcast will correspond to the rescuing of a turtle egg by the staff at Casa Congo. So please, let's tune in and let's rescue as many of those turtle eggs as possible. Enjoy, guys. Here today with us, we are with uh, Nick. I think we're just going to start with uh, the brief introduction regarding your background, and then we'll, we'll just take it from there. Okay. Hi, Eric. Um, thanks for having me today. Uh, my name is Nicholas Kasparik, and um, I'm uh, born in Milan, grew up in New York, and I'm now based in Italy again. I'm an architect. Um, worked in Australia, in Asia, in Europe, um, mainly delivering um, workplace transformation projects for Fortune 500 companies. My um, biggest passion, though, has always been around sustainable development. And in 2017, with a group of friends, we founded the NGO and sustainable development movement called Casa Congo, Perfect. Um, which we'll be talking about later today. But um, For sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think we'll just start regarding, uh, you know, a bit of an overview about Casa Congo and, uh, you know, how you got a, how you guys sort of just came with this dream or, you know, how you got in touch with the people who um, first brought it up and um, yeah, just the genesis of this uh, amazing project. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it feels like yesterday, you know, um, the, <laughs> the first time I met Luca Marsaglia. It was in um, Australia on Tamarama Beach, and he told me about this vision he had. This, the story he told me was about Playa Chacosente, which is a beach that um, is in Nicaragua. And um, once a month, when there's no moon, up to 10,000 turtles can come on the beach and lay their eggs. Um, it's, it's a magical, mystical moment. And um, uh, the local population or the local community there, they poach the turtle eggs, and there's a lot of issues around um, turtle killing which are endangering um, this, uh, this wild species. And um, the, the solution that Luca had in mind to solving this was called community-based conservation, where you're basically developing educational programs and providing job opportunities to people to create incentives that then drive environmental conservation. So when you look at the turtles, it's about research, it's about teaching people about um, ocean advocacy, it's about building relationships with the local community and then we set up some turtle nurseries where people can come and experience the, the eggs hatching and that creates income. And all of a sudden, you know, the people there who used to poach the eggs, a, a large amount of them started saying, wow, um, you know, we can protect nature. We can um, get jobs from this and um, we can take care of the, the ecosystem together. And um, that was the first um, program and the basis of, of Casa Congo, which was then a bamboo school that we built uh, on the beach to, to provide programs in community-based conservation. But um, it became much more multidisciplinary with the other co-founders. We started a program in agroecology focused on um, ecosystem restoration, uh, reforestation, growing food, growing healthy soil. And we work with the local women on that program. Uh, we then have a built environments program, which is focused on bioconstruction. We work a lot with bamboo, which is a, uh, an incredible natural material. And, it's about also building capacity and building supply chain capabilities locally so the local community can keep building infrastructure and, and houses for themselves. And um, our fourth program is in community development, and that's the more um, creative and also more uh, engagement-driven um, program, which has multiple, um, multiple activities that, that run in there. 
So it's um it's a quite holistic movement. Um, it's a school, it's an NGO. Uh, sometimes it's a social enterprise. It's um it's a very organic um uh, business model we started. When when I first went there, you know, it's it's crazy. I thought I was gonna teach people about architecture and came back learning about community and learning about conservation. And I think that's always been the 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 biggest strength of Casa Congo. It's a two way relationship. We're not donors and they're not beneficiaries. We're not clients and and suppliers. It's not you know managers and doers. We're, we're a big family. We work together. You know. For sure. Um, And um, I think it's amazing, you know, when you start with something so pure and genuine, right, as a mission, and then it becomes multifaceted by nature because people are drawn to the mission. And uh, as a result, you know, you're able to, you know, people gravitate towards you. And, you know, if, I don't know, X, Y, Z with that specific skill set, you know, can um, play his part, then, you know, you can develop a program around that. So what I wanted to ask is that how do you come about you know, the introduction of new programs? Do you have somebody from, I don't know, another country come in and teach, you know, with a local expertise to the indigenous people, you know, the people uh, locally, or is it expertise there is already there? You just needed the foundation and the a structure for um, these people to, you know, uh, apply their skill set. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's, it's a combination of, of both often we think of these local indigenous communities as groups of people who, you know, don't don't have many skills or don't know how to do much, but there is so much hidden knowledge often in these populations and it's just about stimulating it and, and bringing new business tools to the table. A good example of this is a group of women in El Astillero called Las Teodoras. They're the weavers. Um, okay. Uh, their, their motto is one plastic bag less, one more turtle. Mm. So what they do is they pick up plastic bags from the beaches, from the markets, and they shred them, they cut them, and they sew them into beautiful plastic bags, uh, into beach products, uh, rugs, and, and many other things. And so amazing. you think about it, these, yeah, these women, they get together and they just create amazingly beautiful products made out of waste. And um, they've just never had the opportunity to be on an international market. They don't, right. have an, they don't know how to build an online shop. Uh, right. They don't understand distribution and logistics, you know. Um, Which so is where you guys we, come in. We, we, we come in and we support them with that. You know, Casa Congo, we partnered with Rockflower, which is a, a really great um, partner of ours focused on women empowerment. And we're working with this group of women to set them up um, so they can ultimately run this operation themselves, you know. And that's very important in Casa Congo. Sometimes we bring in international expertise on different disciplines but it's always about building capacity at a local level so right, those people right. can then own that thing, you know? Because that's the whole point, right? There's no point, you know, the saying about, you know, teach a man how to fish and then, you know, he'll be fed forever. That's sort of the, the pinnacle and common denominator about all these programs is, you know, as you said, yeah. you, either, you either have somebody come in who teaches us something or you provide the platform which facilitates, you know, uh, uh, an already existing skill set with the local people, but they just need to, um, you know, have a feeling of community or, you know, just uh, be able to showcase the skills sometimes. Sure. And, you know, give a man, um, uh, give a man fish or teach a man how to fish. I think the most important part of that, which is not written, is you also need to give the man or the woman um, your friendship. Right. Because we've, we've found often that the more genuine, authentic, 
and organic forms of uh, collaboration are the ones that create value because um, the local community is in it with you. You're one thing, you're one team. Uh, and and that's, that, that's really fundamental when, um, when looking at these projects. And uh, do you think that, you know, off the back of what you just said, right, which I think it's, um, you know, stems from how you are as a person, you know, the, the brief introductions that I've had thus far with you, but um, do you think that um, that's been a driver behind, you know, the, the many uh, relationships that you've been able to foster at Casa Congo with, you know, uh, disparities of um, partners in such a brief amount of time? For sure. Um, we often look at how much we did with almost no capital. Um, I mean, if, if you look at Casa Congo's total budget since 2017, I mean, we haven't even spent $300,000 and we, we built a school, we built turtle nurseries. There's over 240 students going there. Uh, we're repairing houses, working with partners to restore wells and segments of forest. It's, it's a lot of work with a very little amount of money and not so much time. And um, the reality is it's all coming from, it's all locally originated. Like um, once, once, once you spark uh, friendship and you spark ambition and people see opportunities, they, they naturally mobilize. And so often right. things happen at Casa Congo I don't even know about. I'll tell you the story. I was, um, I was, it was Sunday and I was chilling in my hammock in, in, in Astillero mm -hmm. and the mom walks into the school with her, with her daughter. And I mean, we're closed on a Sunday, but you know, she just walks in, right. opens up a door and she takes a bit of seeds from the seed bank. She takes some small trees with her, um, some saplings to go plant. Uh, she reads this little brochure that's there. On her way out, Anielka, who's our agroecology coordinator, goes there, says hi to her, uh, says a few things, and she takes off. And, and I go to Anielka that evening. I'm like, what, like, what, what, what was happening? And she's like, ah, you know, people from the local community just come here, take their trees, go plant them. It's an organic form of reforestation and development, which isn't even tracked. It's just happening. And, and I think that's the, the, that's the magic of Casa Congo. Like, we... We've set up a platform, but we're not um, into that level of micromanagement and, and operations because the local community are handling it on their own. And, and that's what's allowing it to scale. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, also you're a beacon of light, you know, for people in the community. As you said, people come to you because, you know, you don't have the resources, but just, you know, that people can trust um, the process and uh, and that you're not just doing it for the sake of right and um, yeah I mean yeah well done and the, what well go on the, the biggest no I was going to say the biggest thing that's that made a difference at the beginning is we were very hands-on um, like it's it's you, you know when you see a bunch of foreigners coming to this you know village and you know it, it, there are some people there live with less than two dollars a day and and, um, you know, of course, people can think many things are like, oh, here's the here's the rich people that come here, you know, mm. they're just gonna do, you know, the usual things. And like, I mean, the first three months here, we were living in an abandoned shack on the beach, it's an old fisherman cooperative, no bathrooms, no electricity. Uh, the place was infested half the time we woke up every morning at six. And we were digging holes doing manual work, just really boots Difficult. on the ground, getting our hands dirty. Yeah, for for six months for a year. Uh, Lucas, Federico Spagnoli, Lucas, I mean, they were there for over a year, just really, really 
in in the in the thick of it and 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 that's how people started seeing us differently and right. it was you know right. we we gained trust with the locals we built relationships because they knew it was it was real like you know right right right, right. <laughs> at the beginning they thought i still remember they thought lucas um our co-founder in agroecology uh, they thought he was crazy because he was doing all these things with soil and talking about, you know, regenerating soil to plant trees. And they were like, ah, esto es loco, esto es loco. <laughs> and all the women in his agroecology program also, ever, the other women in the village thought these women were crazy. And then two years later, this place was a garbage dump and it's a forestry system and it has food and like you just walk through it and there's eggplants, there's watermelon, there's papaya, there's bananas, there's like basilico, there's like more than like 40, 50 different plants growing in just a small pocket of this thing. And so when people see that, they're like, wow, like I Wait have a to in my yeah. garden too. Right. And, and yeah, now you walk around that Seattle and there's loads of little micro gardens, community gardens starting everywhere. So it's, you need a you need to go in with 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 a vision, be adaptable, listen, do a lot of listening and, ad and adapting, and and then yeah, you just you just plant the seeds, put a bit of water on them, and, yeah. and hope the thing grows. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because by the sound of it, there's no secret recipe, right? It's just hard work, dedication, and uh, you know, rolling up your sleeve and just pretty much be there, right? Because otherwise, those you know local people are not going to trust you nor they're gonna you know in the long term be willing to co cooperate with you right yeah yeah it's 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 trust and and comes it comes with flexibility that's for sure and what i wanted to ask you is like because I've, I've been you know liaising with other professionals and you know in the sustainability arena and you know i've only just entered the or trying to the um, this sphere but I think there is a growing disconnect, right, between sustainability when it's talked about at, you know, webinars or conferences and stuff. And, you know, it's become quite a, um, you know, like a, a commonplace for like, oh, you know, I do this sustainably. But what I wanted to ask is like for somebody to truly, you know, have a tangible, I wouldn't say change of mind, but, you know, to live differently. Do you think that visiting places like Casa Congo or similar realities are is paramount? right? Because uh, to realize how things actually are, as opposed to just talk about them in front of a computer. I mean, that's a very, very touchy topic. Very fact, like, I, I, I love the question, because, you know, <laughs> you get thousands of people sitting in their nice apartments on a zoom call, you know, with an with a computer, cost of that computer is is probably more than, you know, the whole family income for a year in places like that. Uh, to be on that webinar so it, it it definitely gives you perspective right it gives you it gives you perspective it, it gives you a sense of appreciation and it allows you to think of things from different angles um what it also does is it um it, it and this is something i didn't expect is it creates opportunities for innovation because when you go to a place like nicaragua there's actually certain things that are done there with very natural processes and very, you know, uh, organic ways, which uh, I know this might sound um, crazy, but I've brought things that I've learned from working in Nicaragua right. back into the work that I do in commercial real estate and workplace projects, you know, so, and we're doing like, you know, a project for a fortune 500 company in like the technology or financial services sector. 
super high-end project delivery with architecture and construction and finance and many other disciplines. And there's things that I've learned in Nicaragua from doing sustainable development that have allowed me to uh, be more efficient in my, in my commercial practice. And um, so I, I think there's, there's something very unique about exposing yourself to a new dimension and to going to, to a place like Casa Congo, Nicaragua, there's many other countries with projects like this um, in Latin America and other regions, but it, it opens your mind, it exposes you to new people, and it also gives you some context uh, when, when, when you're moving. Which is amazing. I mean, I think I'm going to do it myself, you know, whether it's going to be a Casa Congo or a similar reality, I, I feel like, you know, the more you learn about things, it, it, it's good and done where you read something on an article, you know, or like a flashy headline, but until you're there, you know, and see people, you know what I mean? And I think it, what's striking is also like the relative meaning of things, right? Like when you go there, as you said, it, it's all got to do with context, right? So for example, if you've got X amount of euros here in Florence or in Milan, it might mean not much for like a, you know, a weekend. Whereas as you put, right, rightfully pointed out, that amount of money there might sustain you for a month. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's important. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, did you also start looking at how much you can actually do with less from, you know, running the, the project? And it's not like, oh, you know, we need this, this, and this. Um, sort of like, were your expectations less skewed as a result of realizing how much more you could do with, uh, with less money, essentially? Yeah, I think for <clears throat> for many things, having less money was a blessing for us because it, it forced us to really make you uh, resourceful, right? Make us resourceful and really look at sustainability. Um, again, sorry for the storytelling digression. No, that's the whole good, point. That's the whole point. <laughs> a, a, a good way to to express this is the way we're using bamboo in Nicaragua, right? So bamboo, super super strong material but there's over 1,500 species in the world and not many of them are construction grade. Okay. The main issue with bamboo is it's very sweet. Okay. And so the termites uh, will destroy it unless treated properly. And there's many ways of treating it. Um, one of the ways that's uh, used more frequently is with borax and boric acid and you create a solution and the, you know, the, that has a lot of salinity in it and it treats the bamboo and it preserves it for okay. tens of ten, you know, hundreds of years even. Now, what, um, what's interesting is in Nicaragua, we identified a site where they have natural salt baths. The okay. tide comes in from the ocean and the water gradually evaporates and you have these tubs which have a salinity gradient and then the, the locals extract the salt and they sell it. And 20 years ago, uh, our bamboo master had used the ocean in Mozambique to treat bamboo. And so he came to Nicaragua and he said, let's try and treat the bamboo in the natural salt baths. And we did, and it's super, super strong, and it's 100% natural, and it's way cheaper because you don't have to wow. buy all the, the chemicals. Of course. Right? And, and so now all of a sudden, the unit economics of housing have gone down because you can build cheaper houses, which means you either build more or build better ones, but it's the same product. And that is purely through natural innovation, purely through natural innovation. Like, and, and you've now created local jobs, and it's... It's just a very, very efficient business model. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's truly crazy. Like what people can do. Right. And, um, and I think, because I was, um, I was looking at your amazing website and, you know, it, 
can't couldn't applaud you enough regarding you know the amazing initiatives that you guys have there but i think there was one line that was particularly striking for me was that you guys intend you know to because a lot of the common denominator regarding you know sustainability practice also in business as you said but also in sustainable development is to you know share the good that you've done or you know the the lessons that you've learned do you see Casa Congo becoming a template that, you know, other aspiring NGOs and um, conservation realities in the future will be able to look back to and emulate even? It's um, an, another good, good point. Um, look, it's, it's an ambition we've always had to be able to scale the framework. Um, can Casa Congo be a case study that mm. can be replicated elsewhere? Um, we we get requests often from other people in other parts of the world saying hey we'd like to do something like Kazakong over here uh can you help and and sometimes these people might have access to funds or they might have access to some of the skills they might have one of the pieces already but but then it's the other pieces and, and bringing it all together um definitely we see our long-term vision as a international firm that can do more good um, Casa Congo, though, in many ways is also very particular and unique because right. it was led by very young entrepreneurs. I mean, I was the oldest in the group when it started, and I was, I think, 24 or 25. Crazy. I mean, Luke, Lucas was 20, and we just, uh, Saul was 21, we, and we, we just all took off and went to Amazing. Nicaragua. And so there was a naivety in what we were doing, uh, a very pure passion for what we were right. doing, which which um, is, is not that easy to replicate. But, you know, if you find people who are passionate about it, I think I have a lot of hope in the new generations coming up who care much more about these topics. And I'd love to be able to think that one day we can package up what we've done and display it in a way that is uh, understandable. And that could be a template for, for people to follow and, and adapt and make their own version of Casa Congo uh, anywhere in the world. Absolutely. That would be amazing because I think, yeah, I, I could probably see that happening, you know, because uh, what's it going to take? You know, you already have a starting platform, but, you know, the future will future will tell. But um, what I want to ask you is like, how have you been able to, you know, foster so many good relationships so quick and to gain their trust? Does it always come back to, um, you know, the good that you've done with what you have and the local people locally, or has it been a factor of, you know, your success, um, you know, successful um, careers, you know, what, what has it been in your opinion? It's been a combination of things. Uh, firstly, good cause, good people. I think if you get good people around something that they believe in, I think the universe just brings other like-minded people together. And um, I, I know that sounds not very scientific, but no, that's no, kind it, of how that's it makes sense. How it's been happening. It, it makes sense. Just, I mean, look at us. You know, it's been through my brother that we've been in contact. So uh, you know, the this is a perfect example. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's been very organic and spontaneous. Um, of course, we've we've leveraged some of our um, relationships, maybe in the corporate sector, um, because it's it's a very hot topic and. You know, if companies that have, you know, serious income are winning, willing to stand behind some of these causes, I think it's, it's good for everyone. So we've, um, we've, uh, we've, we've established a good network. Um, it's, it's still growing and we're also very uh, careful um, and, and very attentive to right. our partners and all, all, all the people that we, we come across. You know, it's, um, 
we, we, we like to keep it very pure and um, with, with like-minded people who genuinely believe in what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's a great point because uh, that's literally feeding into what I was going to ask you because, like, for example, I was um, speaking to another, you know, professional and he was speaking, like, for example, in Italy, like now, um, you know, big national energy agencies and companies are, you know, the biggest ones are looking for carbon offsets, right? So reforestation programs in specific regions of Italy, but I think the carbon offset mentality is only like a temporary bandage, right? You know, it's not like a long-term solution like what you guys are doing through sustainable development so like do you think there is a way like what corporates are doing is good enough for where we're at, at the minute or they should do more in your opinion like it, it, you know i know they're trying to do better but um what i wanted to ask is like is it a waste of time they should you know invest for example in sustainable development programs as opposed to just you know plant x amount of trees because we want to emit xyz the tons of carbon this year okay um Look, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that as, as straight as I can, but I'll <clears throat> have to be, I'll have to be a little bit p- political in the response. Of because, course, you know, of course. Where we, we live in, but look, I, I, I don't think corporations are, as a general statement, on average, uh, corporations are not doing nearly as much as they could be. Um, but, uh, and it's easy sometimes to say, oh, you guys are just trying to cheat. You're just trying to offset carbon. You're just taking shortcuts. You just want to have a good conscious and make your brand look cool, which, which, which is true. Right. Um, but, but like that's, um, unfortunately, unfortunately the nature of the capitalistic world we live in where economic, uh, incentives drive most behaviors. Um, what I think is good is that corporations have become much more aware of this topic. If you think of uh, in the 90s, less than 20% of Fortune 500 companies even had a CSR annual report. Um, Those numbers went up. Is CSR the right approach to things? I think there's more evolved ways of tackling it, um, such as sustainable development. Um, Is offsetting carbon by planting trees, which take 30 years to grow, uh, the right equation to uh, bring, you know, to decarbonize the environment? Probably not, but I'm definitely seeing a huge driver um, also at a political level when you look at agreements being signed, uh, when you just look at the general public and how things are moving, uh, big statements are being made and you know financial institutions are starting to stand behind these behaviors. So the thing I can say is it's positive to see change. Okay. It's good to see people standing behind it, but it's going to take a long time. Right. Uh, it's going to take a long time because um, to really achieve sustainability, also at a corporate level, companies need to relook at their entire supply chains. Those kind of things take time. And to be honest, this is also quite new. Um, right. Many executives and many leaders of large corporations don't really understand sustainability or development work that well. Um, so it's, it's a new industry. Everyone has good intentions. At the end of the day, corporations are always going to try and make as much money as they can, but it's 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 now about how they do it and right. and can they do it sustainably? And um, there's uh, th- there's definitely there's definitely a positive push. That's 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 how I can answer your yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm more yeah I'm, I'm more no absolutely that was that I, what I was aiming at because you know businesses can be a huge facilitator along government to you know 
push society, let's just say, towards the right, uh, the right direction. And I wanted to ask you, like, because obviously, but look, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick line, though, like, because I did say I was, I was going to be moderate in my response. Right. But there are companies out there that are running at billions of dollars of revenue with, you know, 30% plus EBITDA generating enormous volumes of cash. And when you look at what those companies are actually doing, it's a, it's, it's nowhere near enough, you know, and, and, and that's where I think, you know, yeah. as much as, as I, one time I said, it could, it's going a bit slow, like people, I still think it's not coming from people's hearts. Right. I, right. I see, I see a lot of the corporate maneuvers and the sustainability strategies being adopted, even at a fund level, it's a pure business decision. Like that's where the economy is going. So we all need to go there. It's not, this is where I think the world needs to go. And this is what I believe in. So I don't care. I'm just going to do it and mobilize more organization accordingly. Um, it's, it's, it's a different mindset. And I think it's going to take a whole new generation of workforce to come into companies. Like when the people who are 20 today are in their mid thirties in companies and people who are in the thirties today are in their mid fifties, there will have been a whole generational change through businesses. And I think we'll be at a point of, um, relative stability and operational readiness when it comes to sustainability projects that's amazing and uh, i agree with you because i mean look at like you know being pioneering is uh, is uh, you know it's like a minefield you know because uh, a lot of people can look at you weirdly like look at the work that you know ikea has done throughout their supply chain and you know unilever all the amazing work but i think at the end of the day actions speak louder than words so you know, if you want to be a first mover, then um, if your sector wants to follow suit or, um, you know, they want to just be bystanders, then, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, consumers are more educated and they're going to, you know, become more and more educated, which is the whole point of this platform. And, you know, they're going to hold brands accountable to, you know, what they do and how they do it. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a loop that, um it will just grow larger and larger. And um, regarding young people, I wanted to ask you, you guys have amazing volunteer programs at um, Casa Congo. I wanted to ask you, like, what role can volunteers play when they, you know, come on site with you guys? What sort of takeaways they can have? And, um, yeah, what the experience is for the average person? Yeah, we, we love our volunteers. And to all the volunteers out there, if you listen to this, uh, hola. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but look, there's, there's two kinds of volunteering experience you can do at Casa Congo. One's more of a, a laid-back, casual engagement with the community. So there's a beach, you do surf lessons, you explore nature, you go on hikes, beautiful scene, and, you know, uh, you'll participate in reforestation. Uh, one day you'll work with the women at the school gardens. Uh, maybe you'll do a quick workshop to learn how to make a coffee mug out of bamboo or various kinds of activities. So it's more, you know, uh, shala, uh, relaxed. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, as I'd say in Italian, shalla. Exactly. It's a shalla volunteering. It's a shalla right, volunteering. Right, right. <laughs> but on, on the other hand, we have um, internships and research programs. Um, uh, we recently have a student from the Politecnico di Milano. Her name is Francesca Iuti. She's doing her internship with us designing agroecological gardens as part of the bamboo houses. Uh, we currently have uh, researchers in Nicaragua um, from Italy and from the Netherlands uh, doing projects over there. Uh, there's a group of students from ESMT in Berlin. Um, they're doing uh, their, it's like a capstone project. 
And so to get credits for their degree, they need to do a social impact consultation. So Kazakong was the client, they're the consultants and they're doing a community mapping project with us. So there's many different ways we hosted uh, researchers uh, uh, to do programs. Ali Cutting is another great example of this. She's a, a good friend of ours and she went to Nicaragua with a grant from National Geographic to do a research program at Kazakongo for three to six months. So there's different kinds of engagement. We're really open to anyone who wants to try and help even in their own little way. That's amazing. And um, yeah, so you basically what you're saying is that, you know, for the young people who want to do good, you know, as opposed to just, um, you know, let's just say putting your money where your mouth is, like there is ways, right, to, to do good as opposed to like, you know, I'd like to, you know, go online and fund the planting of trees, like, you know, to make long lasting impact both for yourself and for other people. There is programs out, uh, out there such as um, some of the amazing ones sponsored at Casa Congo, right? Yeah, I, uh, I think uh, volunteering ecotourism or responsible tourism, uh, and let's call it these impact internships, they're a great way of, I mean, seeing a new place, meeting new people, applying your skills, you know, to something and seeing tangible outcomes um, and learning from that and bringing those learnings back home and sharing them with your community. Um, it makes a huge change. It makes a huge change. You know, knowledge sharing is definitely uh, the the foundation to, to to grow the movement. So, yeah, come and come and visit Casa Congo anytime. And I mean, there's many places that are similar. I mean, Casa Congo is unique in many ways, but there's other event venues and experiences like Casa Congo in other parts of the world. And I think visiting them more seeing them more and engaging in this kind of experience is um it can only do good and look uh i'd if i hadn't founded casa congo i'd be traveling there once a year anyway so right. it's a great exactly. place to visit exactly i'm definitely gonna come by the way so and uh, i'm gonna make sure to put my money where my mouth is because otherwise you know <laughs> it's a bit hypocritical on my behalf <laughs> but um you know as you said knowledge sharing is paramount right which is again not to you know self-plug myself it's the whole point of green through you know it's storytelling at its core and you know having people you know protagonists of these stories have a platform you know to co communicate their lessons and um in terms of like the future what are some of the programs that you guys are um, running at casa congo you know what's the blueprint you know has covid really had a big impact on some of the plans that you had or has it been seamless for you guys locally COVID's definitely uh, thrown a monkey wrench in, but um, look, the, the model Casa Congo relies on has um, uh, diversified funding streams. So we look at ecotourism and volunteering as one of the ways that Casa Congo can receive revenue. Um, but we don't expect it to be the entirety of Casa Congo funds. It's, it's not even half right. um, because we also apply to grants we have other forms of partnership. Um, there's donations. We sell merchandise. So we've tried to diversify the model so it's not purely relying on one. So um, since, since we started Casa Congo, there's been three hurricanes and uh, civil unrest due to the 2018 elections. So especially when you're in these countries, building a business that relies on tourism exposes you to political and climate risk. 
And um, so definitely a part of our business will rely on that in the long term. But um, we also have other avenues to go down to uh, keep Casa Congo stable. That's small. Um, if I, yeah. That's small. And yeah. uh, you need to have also, you know, that mindset of, um, you know, because as you said, um, it's going to be a way, always more dynamic world going forward because climate change is already happening. It's not like a distant um, utopia or mirage. And um, I wanted to ask you, I think I was very interested in, in, setting up new programs right and uh, in terms of the planning and designing stage as you said you guys are in a part of the world where you know as you said you've um, there's already been two hurricanes since um casa congo has started do you really look at climate resilience element of the projects when setting up things or no yes it's um it's part of it's definitely part of our thinking and it's part of our programs. Um, we're building this uh, bamboo housing program now to deliver bamboo houses um, for the local community. And the principles we're designing the houses on are about climate resilience. Uh, the reforestation programs are about flood resistance. Okay. Uh, the agroecology program has a huge component of uh, watershed management. So it's, it's definitely embedded in it because we, we also know that the locals need to build up infrastructure to uh, increase their resilience to climate change. But at the same time, the programs are trying to restore the environment. So one hand is sort of like trying to regenerate nature and the other hand is building infrastructure to be able to cope with, with the incoming pressure. And, and hopefully we get to a point where, where there's equilibrium and and um, we can just be in harmony, but it's, um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because it's unpredictable um, and it's incredibly powerful. Right. So it's, it's the reality we live in when we're there. Fair enough, but I love your approach that, you know, it's not an excuse not to move, you know, or um, be in paralysis. And um, in conclusion, do you have any other points you would like to bring up for, you know, the audience or, you know, some of the lessons or some of, you know, highlights that you guys have, go have gone through or, you know, are about to witness in the future? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, definitely <laughs> now has been a, a difficult time because we struggle a lot between having a very pure vision and keeping the doors of the operation open. Um, we've found it uh, very challenging actually to be in our sector and raise funds, uh, regardless of the impact we achieve. Uh, it's a very conventional world when you look okay. at philanthropy. And um, there's not a lot of awareness around new models. Uh, there's an incredible amount of capital, but it's, um, it's uh, difficult to capture it. There, there almost seems to be a disconnect between okay. the funds and the actual projects and people on the ground. And there's a ton of layers in the middle which eat up and consume a lot of that capital um, instead of directing it straight to the source. Right. And that's, um, that's, that, that's been probably one of the biggest struggles since Casa Congo started. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have partners that have believed in us. Right. And um, we're we're forever grateful to them, you know, for having helped set it up and the whole community is forever grateful. Casa Congo's touching thousands of families at the moment as a, as a program. So um, but it's it's been it's been very hard work to get there. And I do hope that as um, things go forward and if any of you guys are out there listening to this and 
uh, you know of a way to help or to create the right connection um, that hopefully by hearing everything we spoke about today, you, uh, you've been inspired and, and you can reach out to Casa Congo and whether you want to just say hello or try and start your own version of it or even just ask a question um, or book a trip down there or, you know, uh, that's, um, that's definitely something I like to ask the audience because uh, we, we need help. We need more people who believe in this kind of thing and together sure. we can make a difference. For sure. This is just a start. I mean, I can promise you that from my behalf. So, um, you know, and, um, you know, the ripple effect is boundless. You know, you can truly never predict how things are going to turn out. And, you know, regarding uh, what you said uh, regarding access to capital, do you think that there's too many stakeholders involved, like too many parties having their say? And in reality, there should probably be more of a streamlined um, approach towards um, capital and understanding truly where capital is needed at the root and also where it's coming from and try and probably eliminate some of the brokers in, uh, in the middle who are just trying to eat up at the um, education. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that, uh, that's a long conversation. It, it gets, <laughs> Once it again, gets, you need to remain politically correct. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> no, it's just I think throw it's, gasoline it's, on it's, the fire. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, yes, there's, there's existing relationships, existing bridges. Um, some of the countries where you're trying to help in have laws that make it hard to help there. Uh, there's egos, there's, uh, there's, there's so much in it and, and it's, it's harder than what it should be. That's for sure. Um, right. There, there should be some kind of <laughs> direct line to, to the, you know, to the to, to the capital that, that would allow you to, to in an equitable way distribute it based on uh, on sort of a meritocratic um, uh, principle and, and enable projects to go in, in, in the right way. But and that's 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 a bit utopian. And um, as I mentioned at the beginning, though, I do think things are uh, getting better. There's way more awareness around the topic, and um, I th I think there'll be good things to come in the future. Absolutely, I think it'll be you know, fitting to end it on this uh, positive note. And, uh, you know, just wanted to thank you for everything, Nick, all the amazing work that you do through Casa Congo, you know, all the amazing people that you help. And, uh, you know, trust me, this is just the beginning. And, uh, you know, the, the network is just going to grow bigger and bigger. Thanks, Eric. It was uh, uh, great, great being on the, on the talk. 